You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. A pastor told me, he says, I did a whole series on the anointing, about 10 to 12 weeks, and somebody in my church at the end of the series came up to me and asked me, what is the anointing? <laughs> that has to be discouraging. If you're a pastor, you spend 10 weeks on the anointing, and someone's asking you the most basic definition, what is the anointing? And so I believe in defining things right up front. So if, don't come to me after tonight and ask me what is the anointing. I'm going to tell you right now. Don't, you can ask me any question after tonight. Don't ask me what the anointing is, okay? The anointing is God's power and ability and credibility to preach the kingdom of God. What is the anointing? The anointing of God is God's power. Someone say power, power. Ability, ability, and credibility. To preach the kingdom of God. Look at the neighbor sitting beside you and say, neighbor, you have God's power, you have God's ability, and you have God's credibility. We don't hear a lot of times what it means to have the credibility of God. Credibility means that somebody's backing you and giving to you a sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, what is the word, uh, an endorsement. Someone asked me this week, because they, they know, you know, once they found out you're a pastor, they come ask you for stuff like uh, getting, uh, you know, will you give me an endorsement so I can get into my Bible school? You say, okay, you can come into my, you know, I'll, I'll give you an endorsement. Yeah, you're a pastor, someone's going to believe you, so give to me some credibility, because they're looking for my credibility to add to them, because they don't have any credibility of themselves. See, you and of yourself have no credibility. You are, you, before you knew Jesus, you were a sinner. Before you knew Jesus, you were in the world doing the things that you were doing. You know, where in times past we walked according to this world. I always like to say, put a parenthesis in there, and that everything that you did that was ratchet. Amen? <laughs> and everything that you did that was messed up. And Della, was that a bad word? I, know, I, said. <laughs> I, didn't expect you to say that. I saw it on a meme this week, so I thought that was kind of funny. And everything in there that was wrong, that's wherein you walked according to the course of this world. Amen? Stop laughing back there. <laughs> okay. We're in times past. But what God came along and did is He gave to you Jesus Christ, forgave your sins, X, Y, and Z, you know all about all that. And then the next thing God said to you is, guess what? I'm going to make to you a preacher of my kingdom. Because write this down if you're taking notes. I said this last week, I'm going to repeat it again. The kingdom of God was the burden of Jesus' ministry. You say, what was Jesus talking about? Everything Jesus said or everything Jesus did. I don't care if it's a parable. I don't care if it's Matthew 13, Matthew 14. I don't care if it's Matthew 28, Luke 8, Luke 9, Mark 6, John 5. Anytime you see Jesus or even the parts where he's mentioned in Acts. Every time Jesus is talking in Scripture or doing something, it's not just to be a nice guy. He's doing it because he came to be the king of this kingdom. And the burden that Jesus had in his life was the fact that he was been sent by God to preach the kingdom of God. He was, as we talked about, the gatherer of the regathered people of Israel. Not that we all become Israelites, because guess what? Unless you're 51% Jewish, you are not a Jew. But it's okay, because there's no longer an apex race inside the kingdom of God. We are all spiritual Israel, and it's no longer by the flesh. It is by the Spirit. So who has the advantage? The person that 
that has received the fullness of the Holy Ghost in their life, whether you be a Jew or an African or a Chinese or a Japanese or whatever you may be, from Lithuania or wherever, Canada, God bless you. Amen. <laughs> if you have the Spirit of God, you have received the fullness of the Spirit and are now part of spiritual Israel, Amen. which is called the church. When Jesus says, I send my church, he wasn't talking about just people that, uh, that sit in white pew benches. He's talking about the regathered people of Israel, not by the flesh, but by the Spirit now. Do you believe that? And we have those people all across the world. They're being persecuted in Iran and Iraq, but they're part of the regathered people of Israel. And let me tell you what, you may kill them now. You may cut their heads off now. You may try and mess them up now. But there's going to be a great reuniting when Jesus Christ comes back and we receive the resurrection of our bodies. Do you believe it tonight? And this is the message of the kingdom. And guess what? The message of the kingdom, go with me to Mark 6, verse 7. Let me show you this real quick. Was such a burden of the ministry of Jesus. Mark chapter 6 and verse 7. It was such a burden to him that Jesus got to the point in his life, in his ministry, which I'm sure he knew he would get at, where he realized, not just, it wasn't like he didn't know it before, but he finally decided that it wasn't just up to him to preach it. He was going to commission other people to preach the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 6 verse 7. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth by two and two and gave them power. Someone say power. power. This is credibility. <clears throat> Someone say credibility. 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 But you don't understand. I was in the world. You don't understand. I, I have uh, problems. You don't understand. I, my family life isn't the way I want my family life to be. You don't understand. My, I, I, I struggle with depression. You don't understand. No, 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 no. That may be the case. But God has given to you credibility even despite your deficiencies. Someone say amen to that. Amen. It's called His grace. I'm one of these radical grace preachers that think that grace, we eat grace for breakfast and drink grace. But I'm not, I'm not going to get off on that. But that's why, you know, I, but I don't want you to get the wrong idea. But it is His grace in your weakness. His credibility where you have no credibility. Someone say amen to that. Amen. And it says that He gave them power. And it says, uh, and send them forth two by two, give them power over unclean spirits and command that they should take nothing for the journey, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, to be shod with sandals and put on two coats, which is talking about supernatural provision. So the kingdom of God, as I said before, was such a burden in the ministry of Jesus that guess what? He said, my burden has to become your burden. Now watch this. Why is there no power inside of the church today? Now, there's many reasons, and I don't think I have all the answers, but I can tell you one of the reasons is this. One of the reasons why there's no power inside of the church is because our burden is not Jesus' burden. When you take upon the burden that Jesus carried, oh, guess what you're going to receive? The credibility that Jesus had. Why am I not anointed? Because you don't care about the kingdom of God. Why am I not anointed? Because what's in your heart is serving you. You serve God because you want Him to do all this stuff for you and you're not kingdom minded. When you have the burden of Jesus, He says, oh, wait, 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 wait a second. That person cares about my kingdom. That person cares about my power. Cares about people getting saved. He cares about what my heart beats for. I'm going to give him my endorsement. I got an endorsement for both of my books. Do you know what the endorser said? He didn't just put his name on it. You know what he said? Send me it. 
I one time got to do one of the, actually I've done two before, two endorsements for books. Not that I'm a big name or anything. People ask me to do it, I'm thinking, did I know who I am? Who well, I'm not, rather. <laughs> <laughs> but I did it anyway. But you know what? I said, well, maybe if one person reads this, guess what? I want to at least know what's in the book. And I had somebody one time call me and say, before I render to you one of my endorsements, I want to talk about this one statement right here. This one statement you put in the book, I want to talk about. Now, there's nothing wrong with the statement, but they felt it was a little bit strident. So they says, can you fix this statement, and I'll give you my endorsement. And I thought, all I have to do, I mean, it, it was in my heart. He knew it was in my heart. He just didn't, he made it a kind of wasn't a bad statement. So I said, okay, no problem. Fixed it, sent it to him, bam, there came the endorsement. See, that's what God's like in your life sometimes. You want the anointing? Are you here tonight? I'm preaching. I'm going to preach. You have, thank you. you have, <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> you have the anointing in your life. You want God's credibility in your life. And so you know what God says to you? Before I can give to you my credibility, and before I can give to you my anointing, I want this one thing in your life. I need to fix it, and I need to change it. Yeah. Well, you change this thing in your life. You say, yeah, I don't want to change it, God. God says, no, no, no. Make this one change, and I'll put upon you my credibility. And you know what that one change is? It's usually something in your life that does not pertain to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Amen. Are you guys here tonight? Mm -hmm. So I say you wake up in the morning and say, God, what can I change? God, what can I fix in my life? God, why? Because you know what you want in your life? The way that you're going to live an unordinary life. The way that every day, if you will, can be a Friday for you that like Joel Stein. It's not you get things added up into your account and you acquire just earthly possessions. The way it's going to become what he's saying is a great day is when God starts to use you for his kingdom. Whether you're broke. Whether you have no money, because guess what? There's times in your life you're going to have no money. Whether you're going through difficulty, whether you're going through struggle, whether there's no money in your bank account, whether there's a hundred million dollars in your bank account, no matter what it is, the way that every day in your life is going to seem like you are living a supernatural life is when the anointing of God rests upon you, when His Spirit is upon you, when you have the power in the presence of God in your life, and when you enter into that dimension, you're not in the dimension any longer of the natural, you're in a dimension that is in another, uh, that goes, uh, runs parallel to it, and that is the dimension of the kingdom. It is this dimension of the kingdom that when Jesus broke into the earth in His natural human flesh, when God became a person in Christ Jesus and began reconciling the world to himself. Hello, somebody. Amen. This is when the realm came in and God said, now you can start living supernaturally. Yes. So you say, well, what's the answer to my problem? The answer to your problem is to get into that dimension. Yeah. How do you get into that dimension? Through revelation from God. How do you get into that dimension? Through the faith that that revelation produces. How do you get into that dimension? Through being anointed with the Spirit of God upon your life. You give me a hundred people in this church who are anointed. Guess what? I can get a hundred anointed people to develop one thousand anointed people. Give me a thousand anointed people and guess what's going to happen? There's not just going to be a thousand anointed people. There'll be ten thousand anointed people. Give me ten thousand anointed people and guess what I can do with ten thousand anointed people? Guess what God can do with ten thousand anointed people? One hundred thousand anointed people. And then it will be more anointed people than unanointed people. Yeah. I usually yell like this, but it's later on in the sermon. Amen. <laughs> Are you listening to me tonight? So it's to have the anointing of God upon your life. Write this down if you're taking notes. The anointing produces the authority of the kingdom of God. 
Jesus had authority in his life, yes, because he was the Son of God. But Jesus was not doing anything until he was anointed by the Spirit. What did Jesus do when he was 15? We don't know. It wasn't recorded. Why wasn't it recorded? Because it was not for us to know. Because God didn't see in part for his no. I know that there's the Gnostic Gospels and there's all sorts of tales out there in, um, in ancient history about Jesus. You know, there's one story that uh, somebody made a dove of clay and Jesus touched it when he was a teenager and it turned into a pigeon and stuff. There's funny things like that, but that's none of it's credible. Jesus didn't do any miracle until he did the miracle in Canaan of Galilee where he turned the water into wine. Which was prophetic of the fact when Isaiah says that when the error of the Spirit would come, that there would be new wine and fresh wine. Jesus, everything Jesus did had a purpose. It wasn't. It was for a sign and a testimony. Okay, Jesus had authority because he was anointed by the Spirit. When you get the anointing in your life, it's empowerment to do what God has placed upon you to do. This is all basic. Okay, so you say, "What am I anointed for? Why am I anointed?" You are anointed in your life by the Holy Spirit. Look and say, I'm anointed. Look at your hand and say, these hands are anointed. Everybody's anointed. You're anointed. This is the Lord, you're anointed. Tell me you're anointed. Anointed. For a purpose. When you are doing something in your life, and you have a hard time finding the anointing in that area of your life, guess what? You're not in your purpose. You can pray all you want, but unless you're in your purpose, you won't be anointed for it. How many of you have ever gotten in a relationship before, but the relationship was not anointed? How many of you have gotten into a friendship before, and the friendship was not anointed? You say, what do you mean the friendship is not anointed? Let me tell you how it's not anointed. The, the, uh, the, the number one, you can ask, I, I, I told uh, Jordan last night, you know, I always pick on Brett and Emily because they're the only married couple that come in here most of the time, sometimes. <laughs> that we have on Tuesday Bible study at least. And uh, they always get the married kid picked. As soon as another married couple comes in here on Tuesday night, we're going to pick on them. <laughs> You've got enough picked on. Well, this couple knew they were anointed because I can tell you what, I know their history. I actually married them. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Is that when they started praying together, correct me if I'm wrong, when you guys started praying together from the beginning when you were dating, was the prayer anointed? Mm-hmm. Was there power in the prayer? Absolutely. Did it feel like you just keep going on and on and on and you had to pull the plug on your prprayer? Mm-hmm. That's a litmus test. If you want to know if your friendship is anointed, you want to know if the person you're dating is anointed, start praying with that person. Just do say, you know what, say, yeah, let's pray together. What do you want to pray together for? I just want to say a prayer together. The person doesn't realize that what you're doing is you're testing the spiritual compatibility that you have with that person. And let me tell you what, if it's like you take a, a, a piece of wood and you stuff it into that, that, that light socket over there, nothing's going to happen because this wood is not going to conduct the electricity. But if you take a fork and you jam it in there, I don't want to be anywhere 10 feet in front of you or behind you. Because guess what? Stick electric, stick or something metal in there, it's going to conduct the, anoint, uh, the, uh, the electricity. When you get two people together that are conductors and you start praying, guess what's going to start happening? There's going to be a jolt of the anointing of God. And you're going to say, this person is in my life for a reason and a special purpose. Yeah. Are you here tonight? I don't know why I'm preaching this message. This is nothing close to what I'm supposed to preach. So guess what? If somebody in your life is not anointed, you should not trust that person. Hello. 
You only want to allow people in your life close to you are the same people that can conduct the anointing of God that's on your life. Right. Because here's the thing. If the person is not conducting the anointing, they're not on their purpose. There's no purpose for them to be in your life. And why would you trust somebody that is not have purpose in your life? Yeah. You shouldn't do it. Hello, somebody. See, the problem we make and a lot of the issues that we have that are usually end up becoming counseling issues is that somebody trusted somebody who was not anointed. Right? right? Sure. Somebody married something, somebody who was not anointed. You might have married somebody before you were anointed. Amen. You say, well, I'm not anointed and my couple's not anointed. My, my spouse is not anointed. Well, get anointed to somebody. Amen. Amen. All right. So, write this down if you're taking notes. You've been given the Holy Spirit in your life to help you persist in the kingdom of God. You have your Bible. I want you to go with me to 1 John Chapter 5. Are you guys enjoying this tonight? Yes. Um, actually, let's go to 1 John 2.24. In the kingdom of God, you've been given... The Holy Spirit, which we're going to see in just a second, is really the anointing. When we say the anointing of God, what are we talking about? That sometimes seems to be a very um, vague term. I mean, what do you mean when you say the anointing? Well, you're going to find out it's the Holy Spirit in just a second. Understand this. Understand this. The Holy Spirit, I don't think sometimes we, me as a person or us really understand just how real and powerful the Spirit of God is in our lives. How necessary the Holy Spirit is in our lives. How the abundant, fruitful Christian life was designed by the Lord to come from this ministry of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father that every generation up to Christ had been waiting for. Someone say amen to that. Amen. And now you have it. So, there's many roles of the Spirit that we can talk about, and this is how it has to do with the kingdom of God, one way or the other. Because like I said before, you can't function the kingdom of God without the anointing. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Okay. Go with me to 1 John, chapter 2, verse 24. Now we're going to get Bible classy. I was preaching Sunday morning. We're going to get Bible classy, okay? Let's put on our thinking caps. Amen. How many have ever read the book of 1 John and thought to yourself, this book seems to be all over the place here? Can anyone admit that? Please admit that. I admit that. How many think that John's, the fluidity of his writing seems to be all over the place? And I like to say, if you don't think so, then the book of 1 John is even more over your head than you realize. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you think that you, if you think that you understand, you really... Are going to have, you have a difficult time with that. Look what he says here. Let that therefore abide in you. Someone say abide in you. What's he talking about right here? Let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you. Someone say remain. Remain. Okay, so we're talking about remaining 
in the calling and the election of God. We're talking about continuing in the kingdom of God. Because the word of God says that you enter in the kingdom of God through what? Much tribulation. Does anybody believe that? Mm -hmm. There's an aspect of the kingdom. Yes, we seek first the kingdom of God. Yes, we seek first his righteousness. Yes, we are going to try and do the will of the Lord. But the fact of the matter is simply this. That if you're going to do the will of God, those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? Much persecution. Mm -hmm. How many have been persecuted for something that you believe? Mm -hmm. How many of you could have done something that was pleasing to the flesh, but you denied that flesh and it caused uh, momentary suffering in your life? How many look back in your carnality and say, boy, I probably could have gotten away with that. I would have been beyond that right now. But guess what? It's caused you suffering because those that will live godly in Christ Jesus and seek first the kingdom are going to experience tribulation. Amen. So inside the kingdom of God, there is this idea in this component that we have to continue in the thing that we have heard. Hello, somebody. You know, there is a progressiveness that happens as a child of God. The Holy Spirit has been sent to you and to me and to Latanya and to every person in this room because he understood the fact that, yes, you've received eternal life. The moment that you got saved, hello, when you ask Jesus into your heart, Jesus, John says in John 17, that this is eternal life, that they may know me, the one whom God has sent. Hello, somebody. So you receive eternal life now, but you know what? The consummation of that eternal life does not happen until you stand before him face to face. The consummation of everything that Jesus did in your life is not going to happen until you receive your glorified body, until you look like the first fruit of our salvation. You are waiting for that day to happen. So there is in the kingdom of God, like I say, there is a now reality. Is the kingdom of God now? Yes. But guess what? The kingdom of God is not yet. Which means that we still are waiting in hope for Jesus Christ's return. And until he comes back, we have to continue in the thing that we have heard from the beginning. So the struggle of the kingdom, the struggle of the man, you get me to preach now, the struggle of the believer is simply this. We have got to remain in the thing that we have heard and not get tired of it. Day in and day out. Monday come Tuesday, come Wednesday, come Thursday, come Friday, come Saturday, come January, February, March, June, July, August, 2015, 2024. If you're alive in 2048, you're remaining in the truth. And there's only one way that you can do it. The Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Write this down if taking notes, please. Say, I am anointed to remain in God. I'm anointed to remain. Is this okay for you tonight? What time is it? If I preach any longer, I'm going to lose my voice. I need it for tomorrow, too. 820. Say, I'm anointed to remain. remain. Y'all looking at me like, why is he getting worked up on Tuesday night? Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the reason why you need power to remain is because there is a deceiver... And your enemy, the devil, who's Satan, is going to try to allure is going to try to allure you away from the truth. If the enemy cuts the truth off in your life, 
Guess what he cuts off in your life? Go to First John chapter 1. Let me show you. Hallelujah. I do believe that the book of First John is the most, one of the most relevant books in the New Testament. I learned a new word today. I was writing, writing something and I used the word. I, I don't want to use the word relevant because we all use the word relevant. I was looking for a synonym and I found the word germane. Anyone ever use that word? It's the most germane book. It's the most relevant book. It means relevant. I like that. It's the most germane. I'm not talking about one of the Jackson 5. Amen. <laughs> it's the most Tito book. No. <laughs> it's one of the most relevant books because it is something that we're going through right now. I'm going to tell you something. As we, this, um, I mean this, as we get closer to the return of Jesus, we're living in the last days. You know that. It says it in First John that, beloved, now is the last days. Let me tell you, first of all, what constitutes the last days. <coughs> Not that there's nuclear war that we're looking at and Middle East. Countries are trying to get a bombs or that's old uh, nuclear warhead. It's not that Russia is upset with China and China's whatever's going on. That's not really what constitutes the last days. It's not that even Israel is being persecuted because when have they not been persecuted since their inception as a country, as a nation under Abraham? What constitutes the last days is Hebrews chapter one says, "In these last days, God has spoken unto us by His Son." When you say we're living in the last days, it's not because of the Shemitah and the blood moons and all the stuff that people say. The reason we're living in the last days is because God no longer has spoken to us by prophets. He no longer has spoken to us by the Urim and the Thummim. He speaks to us now. The last contact that God is going to make with this world is the ultimate way, and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. There's no higher form of communication than after Jesus spoke and went up, then came the last days. Yeah. And the early Christians believed that the last hour spoken of in 1 John was the time period between his first advent and his second advent, which means at any time, at any point in time, there may be the shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and that they that are dead in Christ shall rise, and which we are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the Lord in the clouds to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Nothing needs to happen until that point. You might be sitting in your office typing. Sure, you might be working on a ledger, and all of a sudden, bam, you blink your eye, and there you are with all your sisters and saints and brothers. You see everybody from around the world, Chinese and Korean and Japanese and Australian, and you say, what happened? Oh my my gosh, I got raptured. And at that moment, you won't even, hey, your clothes will be somewhere down on the earth and you'll be in your glorified body. And in order for that to take place in your life, there has to be a, you have to remain in the truth because look at what it says in 1 John. Let me show you this. It says, if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Someone say fellowship. The light that John is talking about the light that he's talking about refers to the truth. Hello, somebody. Am I, am I with you guys with me still? Mm -hmm. I'm building, I'm building. We talked about the anointing. We're going to see what this... I mean, I introduced the anointing. I'm not going to forget about it. I got it, okay? It's okay. I mean, I feel like I'm preaching. The anointing. So you've been anointed to remain in the truth. The truth, when you receive it of God... It brings you into something that Jesus Christ came for you to have, and that is fellowship with the eternal God, the Father. 
What's greater in life than that? Your fellowship with the eternal God is how John presents the kingdom of God without saying it. Someone say, I have fellowship with the Father. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. You have fellowship with the Father. Say, you have fellowship with those that are in fellowship. With the Father. Okay. But, how many of you have ever read the first chapter of John you think to yourself, you know, John says that we that are without sin, you know, uh, well, let's look at it. How many of you ever read the first time? You don't, you don't really understand what he's talking about. Look at it real quick. It says here, in verse number five, this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And look what it says here. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. You got that? Mm-hmm. If we say that we have fellowship with him, so write this down if you're taking notes. Say, I want you to make a list because it's going to become very clear to you something that's going on here. Say, we have fellowship with him. Okay, write that down and you're taking notes. Put a number one next to it. And then it says here, in verse number eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Say this real quick, and not like it's you saying it, but I want you to put a number two and write this down. We have no sin. Or write that down. And then go with me to verse number 10. And say that we've not sinned. Put that down number three. Okay. It sounds like some absurd statements, right? I mean, who actually would say to themselves that we have no sin? What you're seeing in the book of 1 John is you're seeing John's response as a member of the kingdom of God to a sect. that was proclaiming to be the truth. But John was combating a belief at that time, we're not going to get into all the belief, what it is, those free Gnostics, that believed that they were the only ones that had fellowship with God. And that John and his church had no fellowship with God. And you think to yourself, this is the original apostle. Who are these people that say this, but they actually believe this? And they were making... Three specific claims that John deals with. The first claim that this group was making is, we are in fellowship with God. And the second claim that they were making was that uh, was that we have no sin. And if we have no sin, there's nothing to confess because we have not sinned. This was the belief of this teaching. And what they believed was that the way that you come into fellowship with God is through knowledge or what the Greeks called gnosis, which was divine illumination and higher life that was completely unrelated to how you act on the earth. You get that now? It's kind of deep. But I want to show you something. And what this belief was doing was It denied the fact that Jesus Christ had come in the flesh. They did not believe what the theologians, we can talk like this in the Bible school, what the theologians would call it was they had a high Christology, which simply means that they stressed the divinity of Jesus so much 
that they downplay the humanity of Christ. No heresy in the church ever was because of the divinity of Christ. It was because of the humanity of Christ. They literally believed that when Jesus was baptized, Jesus the man was baptized, the spirit of Christ came upon Jesus' baptism and it left him at his death. So God never died and never suffered. Only Jesus the man did, but the divine Jesus, he was gone up into heaven before he ever had a chance to suffer. And this would have been devastating because if this would have been the case, then God would not have been in Christ Jesus reconciling the earth to himself through his death and his blood on the cross. Hello, somebody. So look, at, are you guys getting this now? So look at what it says here in 1 John. So what did, what did John say? John now is going to say, no, no, no. See, we have to understand sometimes, especially in light of today. I said this to my leadership last night. If you're in a mall and you're called to preach the kingdom of God, you're called to be a servant of the kingdom, skilled, sharp, supernatural servants of the Lord, and you're sitting there and you're eating your ice cream or you're hogging dogs and you're just chowing away, and all of a sudden you see a group of Mormons or a group of Jehovah's Witnesses going up to some innocent person and trying to propagate a false gospel. It's your responsibility to step in and block them from doing that. Yeah. Look what it says here in 2 John. Let me show you this real quick. I'm just teaching by the Spirit tonight. The letter of God teaches it. It's all over. You can take what you want from it. Look what it says in 2 John. What's the last time you were in a church service and they went to 2 John? Amen. <laughs> Forget that even back there. 2 John, verse number 10. Oh, 2 John 9. Let's read this. Whoever transgresses and abides, abides. There it is again. There it is. Abides. Someone say abides. abides. Say, say I, need I need to abide. I need to continue. I need to remain. In the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Now watch this. Watch this. So there's this idea that we're abiding. It says here, if there come any unto you and bring not the doctrine of Christ, receive him not into your house, neither bid him hello. For he that biddeth him God's speed, or hello, is a partaker of his evil deeds. Whew. Are you catching this here? Do you know what this is saying? Dude, this doesn't mean that you can't... No, 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 this doesn't mean if a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door and you're sharp and you want to take them to task, give them the business. Have at it. What this means is that you're not supposed to greet them hello in the sense of giving them hospitality to send them away fed and on their journey. You're supposed to look at them. Either A, with the ability, I'm going to convert this person, and if they don't want to be converted, Paul called them anamathea, which is they are a curse and antichrist. Not that you hate them. You walk in love with them. But at the same time, you have to understand that they are carrying poison. And if they continue spreading that poison, people that they convince will go to hell. And if you don't convert them, you have got to protect people from them. I know this is not what you hear today. You hear, love God, love God, love people, love people, love people. And yes, we need to love God. And yes, we need to love people. But you're going to see in the book of 1 John that the love that he was talking about primarily, not that we don't love the world, not that we don't love people in the world. You're supposed to walk in love with people. You're not supposed to hate gay people. You're not supposed to hate them. You're supposed to love everybody. But you know what the thing is? The real love that he was talking about in the book of 1 John was the fellowship that you have with your believers in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. so how can you say you're of God and hate the brethren? Are you here somewhere? Mm -hmm. 
All right. I, I didn't lose you guys tonight. I hope I didn't lose you guys. Are you guys with me? We're talking about abiding and continuing the truth. Because in the kingdom of God, like I made a statement before, is the fact that as we draw nearer to the end times, there's going to be more lies, more false doctrine, all sorts of... Let me take a minute and say this real quick. You know, we have the day of social media, the day that people can go on Facebook, and, and if, however many friends they have, that's the size of their platform, right? And people love to become the heresy hunters. They love to take aim at false doctrine. It seems that everybody today wants to talk about false doctrine. Problem is, most of the stuff that they call false doctrine isn't really false doctrine. It's just differences of opinion in other schools of theology. False doctrine, number one, is extremely heretical. And most people that go on and get mad at other believers, the Arminians are getting mad at the Calvinists, and the Calvinists are getting mad at the Arminians, and you're believing predestination, you don't believe in predestination. No, it's just differences, okay? It's just schools, it's just other, they can make an intelligible conversation, it's still considered orthodox. The real heresy is people that deny that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. People that are other religions, Islam and Judaism, things that are totally, completely against Orthodox Christianity. Are you hearing with me tonight? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So forget all that stuff that the Christians fight with each other to find their niche and their significance. Hello. Mm -hmm. You guys thinking tiny guys? Okay, okay, okay. I don't want to lose you. Okay. So let me bring this home real quick. Go to first John chapter two. Some say I'm anointed. Since I received the anointing. So, it says here, back to 1 John 2.24 where we started. Let that therefore abide in you, what you've heard from the beginning. That which you've heard from the beginning, which is the word of the kingdom, remain in you, you shall continue in the Son, and you shall continue in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. But the question is, in the struggle that we have to remain, what is our power? What is our authority to remain in the truth that's in Christ Jesus? When you think about how far you've come as a Christian, you've been through difficult circumstances, trials, flooded basement this week, amen, somebody. Difficulties, financial tests, whatever, people that you're dealing with other beliefs, whatever it may be. Where did the power come from that you're still in this Bible study? Why are you here tonight? Why do you still lift your hands in worship? Why can you still confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Amen. No, no, no. That's, no, no. Say it again. Say it again. Because he knows. Okay, why did you say that? Because he is. Okay, I know, I know. But I know he is. I know he is. That's true. Okay, no, 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 no. This is good. This is exactly what he is, right? You're convinced of that. Are you convinced of that? Hello, are you convinced of it? You're, you guys are convinced of it. Convinced of it? Who's not convinced of it? We'll talk to you after service. You're convinced of it. Why? Why is Jesus Lord? Why do you know that? Because guess what? There's some people, they started. They're not here tonight. How many know people that have fallen away? I mean, I mean, I'm not saying we, we're better than them. We need to help them. We need to go and try and save them. They send us to death. We need to go help them and get them back in. They deny Jesus. But you know people that fall away? Out there doing things? They got out. They're not committed. Why are you still here and committed? What power is it? You know what it is? It's the anointing of God that he's put inside of you. Look what it says here. Why do you know that Jesus is still Lord? But the anointing which you have received of him 
abides in you. First, well, it says First John two twenty. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You know all things. Now we think sometimes that this is omnisciency. That what God is saying here is that well, we're just going to have the whole counsel of God. You're never going to know everything that all God knows. Even in eternity, when you stand before God, there's going to be things that He'll never share with you. That's what will make Him God. If He gives you everything, guess what? He's no longer God. You're as equal. Is equal. There's going to be things, eternity, bazillion years down the road, that he got as well. You know, I'm not going to share that with him. He'll give you piece by piece by piece. But even when you start realizing and start getting what you think all God knows, you'll find out there's twice as much as that that you don't know. Amen, somebody? Amen. When he says you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things, you know what he's talking about? The all things that he's referring to is everything that is sufficient for you to know the truth in contrast to the lie that's being spoken. When you hear a false belief, when someone says Allah Akbar, or when someone says some false belief, or even when you get false religions or false teachings inside of the body of Christ, you know false teachings that come. Universalism is one of them. There's no hell. No one's ever going to hell. And we don't need to do nothing. We don't even need to worry about how to live because guess what? At the end, uh, if I came up here and said to you, guess what, there's no help, God's giving me this revelation, and everyone's going to get saved, and we don't even need to know how we can live any way that we want to live. What would you think? You'd walk out. Would you walk out? Yeah. We'd walk out. Why? Why would you walk out? I you know you're wrong. You know I'm wrong. How do you know I'm wrong? The same way she knows that Jesus is Lord. There is the anointing inside of you that is telling you wrong. There's the anointing that's inside of you telling you right. Guess what that is? It is the power of his kingdom that has come unto you and is testifying to you of the truth that's in Christ Jesus. So when somebody says, oh, well, this belief, no, it's wrong. You might not even know why they're saying that. So this is what John says. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And he says right here in verse John 2.27, you have an anointing which you received of him that abides in you, and you don't need any man to teach you. An interesting statement when you consider that he's giving an instruction to them as a teacher. So if he's saying that you don't need teachers anymore, and you don't need instructions from other human beings, then he just contradicts himself because he's an instructor and he gave him a teaching. <coughs> now what he's saying, what he's saying is that what you need is when somebody comes to you and preaches the truth about Jesus Christ, God reconciling the world unto himself, God is inhabited man. I mean, you really lay it out systematically, you'll find out that these salvific truths about God that pertain to our salvation, these deep truths in the counsels and the mystery of God, they're actually somewhat complicated if you think about it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about this. Jesus came as a virgin, was born of a virgin. I mean, if you really, if you really, I, okay, I uh, saw a mem the other day. If you don't know what a mem is, it's an internet sensation. These little things that go on the internet and they're funny and stuff. It had a picture of Jesus. It was anti-Christ, anti-God, and it was explaining the Christian message, you know, and uh, it says, in, in a way that the person wanted to make fun of it. It says, yeah, it seems pretty, it says like, he was born of a virgin and he came to save the world from a snake, blah, blah, blah. And he just put it in a way that makes it sound like a fantasy. And at the bottom it says, yeah, it seems easy to believe. Hold on. Here's the problem. Why doesn't the world believe that? Why do you believe that? They're having a hard time believing 
this complicated truth because it doesn't make sense to them. And that is because they don't have, I'm not going to get into why, they don't have a witness from the Holy Spirit that it's true. Nothing divine is working in their life to testify to them of the truth that's in Christ Jesus. But watch this. These complicated truths, because you have the Holy Spirit, they're not complicated to you. They're simple. So what it simply means is this. When you hear a preacher proclaiming a truth that to the world seems complicated and to the world seems maybe more involved than what it really is, all you don't need to sit and have some college professor take 16,000 volumes of theology and run it through your brain. The Holy Spirit is a supercomputer processor that runs it through you and makes sense of it so you can openly say it's true true. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe there's a hell. I believe that I need Him. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe this. I don't know why. I believe it. And then, when someone comes and preaches something contrary to it, the same, pre the same Spirit that says, believe the truth says, don't believe this. It's not the truth. Amen. Guess what you have now? You have, and it says right here, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things that pertains to the truth and what is not the truth concerning Christ Jesus. And this truth and is no lie, even as it has taught you, you shall abide in Him. You shall remain. Boy, this was complicated. I feel like Kenneth Copeland up here. No, I'm just <laughs> teaching something far out. You shall abide in Him. You know why you're here today? It's not because of you. You're here today because there's a wonderful, precious, loving, kind, gentle, temperate, kind and gentle and temperate, gentle, kind, kind and temperate, loving, gracious, I can't think of it in other words, spirit who never has come to you and strangled you and tried to beat you over the head and slap you in the face and punch you in the gut and rain you and scream at you when you do something wrong. You know the way I, I remember one time, I remember one time, I wasn't paying attention that my mom, when I, when I used to live with my parents a long time ago, they had a cat. There's this little cat. My mom, his name, his name, cat's name is Cassie. And uh, when you ignored the cat, the cat didn't claw you in the eye. It didn't scream at you. They'd come at you and jump in and attack your throat. You know what it would do? It would come up to you and take its head and just like this to you. Just bump you. It didn't have to be something over the top. It was a gentle bump of the head. And you know what? One was enough for me to look down at it and have compassion on it. And acknowledge it. And say, oh, Cassie, give me it. Give me it. And then you'd pet it and you yeah. And you hear something that's false. When you're something that's anti-Christ, Holy Spirit's going to jump you and try and take over you. You know what he does? He comes to you and he nudges you and says, hey, it's not the truth of Jesus. It's not God. It's not the truth. The truth that's in Christ Jesus. Come on, you know better. You know better. Or when a preacher comes in and he's rough around the edges and he's crazy and he's, he's just, you know, just off, uh, over the top, looks, does, looks different, wearing torn jeans and got chains hanging down and a bazillion tattoos or maybe you like that as a preacher that's wearing a three-piece suit whatever it may be but he starts preaching the truth no matter how he looks the Holy Spirit comes along and says I know he looks a certain way but and he nudges you he says that's the truth about Christ Jesus 
Or maybe somebody comes in and you never heard it before. Something totally, you've never heard this before. You don't know what to do with it. That inner witness is always going to be right. It's not true. Or maybe you need to look more into these things. Because it is true. Find out more. Go ask around. And he makes inside of you a curiosity. And when you follow the nudges, and you follow the bumps of the Holy Spirit in your life, you know what it's going to do into your life? It's going to lead you in the path of remaining. And one day you're going to stand before Jesus. And you think he's going to give you the honor. And you will pat him the head for getting to where you are. You're going to be surprised when instead of honoring you, he honors himself and the person of the Holy Spirit for being the faithful one to you and causing you to remain. I didn't remain because of me. I remained because and, and served the kingdom and sought the kingdom and stuck with the kingdom because I have an anointing from the Holy One. When someone says, oh, you're never going to make it. You're never going to get this church off the ground. You know what? The Holy Spirit says, no, you know the truth. You know what I've called you to do. You're anointed in my kingdom. You have the anointing. How could Jesus, how could Jesus, I'm almost done, how could Jesus be in the garden, the Son of God, and look up and say, take this cup from me? Then all of a sudden the Holy Ghost comes in and, come on Jesus, nevertheless, let that will be done. Jesus fulfilled the will of God because of the Holy Spirit that helped him to do it. The Godhead is not independent of each other. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit needs the Father, and the Father needs Jesus. They're one. They don't exist apart from each other. Amen, somebody. Amen. Someone say, I abide. I abide. In Christ Jesus. Let's stand to our feet tonight. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.